This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. I'm Tom Ruich, and today's episode is called How to Succeed as a Coach or Consultant with More Confidence and Less Overwhelm. As always, I'll begin today's episode with a story before I introduce our guest. Back in the early 2000s, I joined a networking group that was part of Dan Kennedy's Glazer Kennedy Inner Circle. This was for entrepreneurs who wanted to master direct response marketing, but a lot of the group members were corporate employees hoping to escape the cubicle and get out on their own. John was one of those guys. He worked for a corporate giant and he hated it. He used to tell me, I'm going to quit that job and start my own thing. And he did. He went out on his own, positioning himself as an expert consultant. And then eight months later, he shut it down and returned to corporate life with his tail between his legs. John had a great idea for a business, but he couldn't handle the overwhelm that came with running his own thing. Bills to pay, invoices to cut, employees to manage, legal issues to consider, content to create, sales to close, clients to serve. It was too much. So he folded up his tent and returned to the cubicle. John and I had lunch a few months after he quit being an entrepreneur. He told me, I guess some people are not cut out to be on their own. Looking back almost 20 years later, I don't buy that. I think John was cut out to be an entrepreneur. He had a great idea. He had passion for the business. He was motivated and hardworking. He simply didn't have the know-how to manage the overwhelm. Same goes for lots of aspiring entrepreneurs who try and fail. My guest today tried and succeeded. And now he helps other entrepreneurs get their act together so they can succeed too. His name is David Schreiner Khan. And when he made the move from the corporate cubicle to the life of the entrepreneur, it wasn't his choice. 28 years ago, David was told that his job was over in spite of the immediate trauma and fear. He knew that this would be his next step. He'd rather work for himself and have more control over his destiny. That was in 2006. Today, David is a thriving community builder, podcaster, and speaker. David helps high-achieving professionals build their consulting or coaching business following a late career job loss so they can do what they love and get paid what they're worth. David runs a great online community called Smashing the Plateau, where coaches and consultants gather to support one another, get answers to burning questions, learn from experts, participate in growth challenges, and more. On the Smashing Plateau website, David says, there's no doubt that it's way harder to be a consultant 
than it is to be an employee. But as an employee, you'll never have the same level of control over your destiny that you have as a consultant. And you can build a profitable consulting business that you will be proud to call your own and that can support your lifestyle. Today, David and I are going to discuss how you can make that happen. So David, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I, I have a lot of ideas based on your introduction, um, so we can go in a lot of different directions. Yeah, well, dive right in. I mean, share uh, what's the first thought that came to mind or, or the primary thought that came to mind after hearing me share that story. Um, well, like your friend, I wanted more control over my career and over my destiny than I was able to have as an employee. And, and in fact, um, I made a pretty radical change in my career early on. I went from being an engineer to working in the nonprofit sector. Um, and one of the, besides the fact that I was serving a different audience and doing different kind of work, um, one of the other things that changed was I went from being a guy in a cubicle, quite literally, um, which I was as an engineer, to being someone who was in an organizational structure. So it was, even though it was in the nonprofit sector, it was, there were a lot of similarities to what many people think of when they think of uh, corporate life. Um, but I was in management roles my entire time. And um, so I actually had a lot more uh, a lot more autonomy than many people do in jobs. Um, yet, even though I had more autonomy than many people do in organizational structures, um, I still felt the need to not have a boss and to have more control over what I what I would do, um, not just the kind of work that I would do, but who I, who I would serve. Um, when I would work was a really big issue for me. Um, so I'm not somebody who does well in a time structure that somebody else has set up. That's like mm -hmm. one of my big things. And you know, as, as you were going through your story of your friend, I was thinking about you know, in my own case, wanting to have more control um, is not the same thing as no structure. And right. one, like one of the and, and you talk you talked about overwhelm and how your friend went back because because he was overwhelmed. The thing about being successful in um, I mean, this is really true when you're an employee, but it's certainly true when you're an entrepreneur is um, you, you need to really have control over your time. We can always make more money, but we can't make more time. And so whatever your business model is, whatever kind of work you do, you really have to be conscious of how you're utilizing your time. That is your most pressurable resource. Once it's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. Um, so um, the overwhelm comes from, uh, I think it comes in, in large part to lack of um, um, awareness and organization about how you utilize your time. Yeah, I, I think that's a brilliant point. And, you know, here's the irony, right? So many people, your story, my story, uh, they leave the cubicle, the job, because they want control 
And then once they step into that so-called freedom, everything feels out of control. <laughs> and it's because, yes. just as you were describing, they don't have systems in place to control their time. And another thing that you were really getting at is they're not really in control of their mindset. They begin to tell themselves a story. I'm not cut out for this. I can't do this. I made a mistake. That I've seen that happen countless times very quickly for people who step out. And so how, how do you get that control that's so important so that you, you really can have a life and a work life that you're in control of? Well, you know, it's an interesting question, Tom. And, you know, I've been at this now for 16 years as an entrepreneur. Um, so it's not as long as I was an employee, but it's really, it's a pretty significant portion of my career. And I never feel like I'm in 100% control. Um, I'll be honest, um, particularly when I'm starting something new, there are a lot of unknowns. You know, you, you mentioned that I founded a community for consultants and coaches to help them build their business following a late career job loss. This community is relatively new. Um, I've been working kind of in this space for a while and creating content through my podcast and other means um, for a while and, and working with clients, but not, not in a community setting. So, you know, just the fact that, that I've launched a community, it's, a, it's we're using new software platforms that I've not, haven't used before. Um, there are a whole lot of new people in the community that I didn't know before this. Um, so there are a lot of unknowns. And um, do I feel like I'm in total control of what's going on? No, that you know. But on the other hand, if I were just doing something where I'm totally like a hundred percent sure of what's going to happen because I've done it so many times, it would actually be kind of boring. So yes. that's that's like one of the things about being an entrepreneur. We like trying out these new things. We like pushing ourselves. We like. Um, I don't know, like is the right way to describe it, but um, we know that that um, pushing ourselves and and going into a place where we're uncomfortable is important to do to succeed as an entrepreneur. And so that is, you know, it's sort of a yin and yang with, with control. Um, that's sort of the counterpoint to control. Whenever you try something new, you're putting yourself in a place where you're not in control and you don't know what's going to happen. But if you don't do that, um, you're, you're not going to see the kind of success that you can achieve as an entrepreneur. And, and in yeah. fact, you know, that's, that's why I became an entrepreneur because as an employee, I knew that my, I could grow, but it was somewhat limited. I could grow at a very measured pace. And I knew like when I left my last job, the linear progression would have been for me to get another job in the nonprofit mm -hmm. sector. That was, you know, I was well suited for it. Um, it could have happened. I would have gone, most likely gone to a position where I would have made more money. I would have had more authority. Um, but I opted to take the, what many people would have seen as the riskier route, which is to go out on my own as a solo consultant and start a business. Yep. Yep. And I, I, I think what you're, what you've done here is you've made that distinction between 100% control, which I agree with you is not achievable 
and confidence and comfort. And, and so here we fall back into this mindset question that, that entrepreneurs are able, successful entrepreneurs, are able to recognize just what you said, that there are always going to be factors beyond your control. There are always going to be opportunities to step a little bit outside your comfort zone, a little bit um, into risk and uncertainty, but that's okay. You can still do that with a level of comfort and confidence. And in order to do that, I think you need to understand, you, you need to have the systems and the processes in place because without the systems and processes, you're winging it. And it's a whole lot harder to be confident. It's a whole lot harder to believe that, yeah, I can step into this and it's going to be okay. So you talked before you, you use that word systems. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about what you mean by that. What are the kinds of systems that you help uh, bring to your clients that you've implemented for your own business so that you have that sense of comfort and confidence, even when there are factors beyond your control? Um, sure. So the, um, one of the things I, I think about in terms of um, systems is whenever I find that I'm doing something more than twice mm -hmm. in more or less the same way, I think about, okay, how can I automate this? And it, so th there are a couple of questions that go through my mind. One is, is this something that um, I would be better off not being the one to, to do repeatedly if it happens over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the reason it might not make sense for me to do it is either it is, um, I, I can use my time more effectively so solving something more complex rather than repeating a task. Mm -hmm. Um, I can make more money with my time doing something other than repeating a task. And then, if I find that that is likely to be true, then how do I create a system so that these tasks will happen without me being the one to actually do them? Um, and one way is automation. There are a lot of tools to automate things. You know, so for example, many people nowadays use scheduling systems to arrange to meet with other people. Um, I, I adopted a scheduling system very early on related to my podcast. I started podcasting in 2014 and scheduling systems weren't actually all that, um, they, they weren't that well used eight years ago. Um, so I would say I was probably one of the earlier adopters of one of those systems. And in the, in the beginning, I used it just for podcast booking, but it made it way easier to schedule recordings. Um, so automation is one way. Another way is delegation. So even if you are, quote unquote, a solo solopreneur, um, I don't believe that anybody is really a solopreneur. And one of the mm -hmm. examples that I use is if, you, if you're in your own business as a solo consultant, um, do you have somebody else who prepares your tax returns? For most yeah. people in business, the answer is yes. Now, that person may not spend many hours per year 
doing work for your business, but that person is part of your team and that person helps you make sure that the filings happen properly and on time and that you don't get hit with penalties. So, you know, think about who else you can, who can you delegate something to if it's not something you're going to be doing? And in today's world, it's so easy to outsource fractional work to all kinds of people all over the world. It's, um, yep. it's really easy. So automation and outsourcing are two great ways to build a system. And then you can communicate this system to clients, colleagues, prospects, um, people in your audience, so that they can utilize these, these systems, again, whether it's other people who are part of your team or automation, to be able to interact with you. And it will make things much smoother. And save you time. Yeah, yeah I uh, I agree completely. And in order to delegate effectively or automate effectively, you have to first document effectively. You have to recognize well what is it, what is the system, what is the task, what is the process, and it's kind of amazing to me how many entrepreneurs um, don't document their systems and record what they're doing until they take the step of, oh, it's time to delegate. So now I need to write down what it is that I do. And, and whether you, whether you keep the process and the tasks for yourself, because maybe you just love to do that task and it is fun for you or, or your skill set is required to do it. Maybe you delegate, maybe you automate. In all cases, the process of documenting puts you in a position where you have a greater clarity about you know what it is you do. You don't have to reinvent things and, and try to remember, well, what's the first step? What's the second step? And all that stuff that when you're doing repetitive tasks. And those are the things that when you do them, they add up to that sense of confidence, that sense of comfort, that sense of feeling in control. That's the difference between succeeding as, as an entrepreneur and folding up the tent. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll throw out one, one other one that I think is very relevant to consultants and coaches. Yeah. People in your target audience will want to work with you when they get to know, like, and trust you. And one mm -hmm. of the best ways for people to get to know, like, and trust you is by sharing your ideas through content. Mm -hmm. um, and if you are, if you want to share your ideas and become known through your content, you need a system to be able to do it consistently, yeah. right? And when people ask me, as I, as I mentioned, I've been podcasting for a long time, and people ask me about creating either podcasting or creating other content. And I say, in my experience, the three most important things are consistency, frequency, and quality. And in that order, don't get hung up on quality. If you're not embarrassed by your first podcast episode, your first blog post, your first <laughs> social media post, you yep. waited too long to do it. Um, yep. you, you will find out that it wasn't so great and you'll get better at it. But you've got yeah. to do it consistently and you've got to do it with with a regular frequency. So, you know, if you're going to do have a podcast that comes out once a week or once a month or you have blog posts that you want to produce or articles or a LinkedIn newsletter, you need a schedule. So in order to do that, you need a process, you need a system. Um, yeah. So the, the you know, first thing is you got to you have to create a calendar 
of what you are going to release to your audience, how you're going to release it and when yep. the how part is going to be your system. But the, the what part is really important. That's where you have to start. And again, that you can also document the whole process from beginning to end from, um, I have a, a bunch of ideas of problems. I know my audience has, I'm going to create a list of, you know, let's say I, I come up with 50 different topics of pain points I know my audience has. And for the, any of us that have been working in a particular field for a long time, we know what the pain points are. And if you don't know, send out a survey, ask people in your audience, ask a few of your friends, you'll get back a, a list, take that list and use it to create a content calendar. I'm going to write something or speak about something related to each one of these over the X, X number of months in the future. And then you can lay out, okay, how am I going to do it? Am I going to write? Am I going to speak? Am I going to do it on video, audio, whatever? But again, starts with having that that process and the system. Yeah, you you have have just summarized a critical part of what we do here at Story Power. We talk about how to create content and transform content from boring to brilliant and how to transform the process from frustrating to fun. And it all depends on systems. And, and I talk often about this idea that great copywriters, Eugene Schwartz is one whom I cite all the time, will tell you that they don't suffer from writer's block. And the reason they don't suffer from writer's block is they have the systems in place. Schwartz used to say that we don't write copy, we assemble it. And what he meant by that is he's doing exactly what you uh, described. He is going to his market, figuring out what the problems are that they're suffering from, what the aspirations and dreams are that they have. He's gathering all that up into lists and files and so forth. And when it's time to put together the ad or the email or the social post or the video or the podcast, he's just plucking building blocks from that file because it's already there for him. And again, it, it's, it's part, it, it all adds up to confidence and clarity and mindset, because if you don't have those systems in place and yet you're, you're bought into this idea that I do have to create content. I have to send emails. I have to do social posts. Well, then you're sitting in front of a blank screen on your computer and you're thinking "Mm, once upon a time, now what? And you imagine it has to be some magical creative thing that you don't have control over, but you do have control over it actually, Mm -hmm. if you put the systems in place. So I'm really glad that you took us down that, that content path. Um, And, and by the way, Tom, when you think about creating these systems and these processes, keep mm -hmm. in mind that the first time you create it from scratch, it is going to take time. So you need to designate a significant chunk of time to actually plan how you're going to start your system. Yeah, and keep and in that's... mind, right? And keep in mind, whatever you plan and you think you're going to use at the outset, it will change. Don't worry about getting it right. Just have enough to get it started. But you, you absolutely have to block out time. I know that when I feel overwhelmed, unless I take a day and I can shut everything off and like a clear my mind for a little bit, and then b focus on building some kind of new system, it's not going to happen. I can't build a system when I'm feeling frazzled. 
Yeah. And what you're talking about here is what Michael Gerber calls working on your business, not in your business. You know, we all, we all have this instinct, oh, I got to get the email out or I've got to, I've got uh, to cut the invoice and get paid versus create the system to automate or delegate billing. Um, and when you make that choice to work in the business all the time, you never get to the point where, where you have the systems in place that will relieve you, that will put you in control. And then that stack of bills, that stack of tasks, that stack of emails just gets higher and higher and higher and the overwhelm takes over. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Working, working on the business from time to time is just a critical piece of, uh, of the process. Tell us more about this community that you've built and how it works and, and who it's for. Um, so who it's for, it's for consultants and coaches, primarily people that are solo or have a very small team mm-hmm. that are building their business, following a long career as an employee, typically mm-hmm. somebody who's high achieving mid to high level, who either leaves voluntarily or gets pushed out. You go from a scenario where you have, where you are overwhelmed as an employee, you have an overflowing inbox, you have a packed calendar, you have a built-in social structure with all the people that are part of your work environment, and your self-identity is tied to who pays your salary. Mm-hmm. That's what you put on your LinkedIn profile. That's what you put on your resume. That's what's on your business card. When you meet somebody, that's that's you tell them, I'm David, vice president of such and such at such and such company. And mm-hmm. then you walk out the door, whether it's literally or figuratively, and all of a sudden you have an empty inbox, empty calendar, no social structure, you're working all alone, and your self-identity is no longer what it was the last day you were employed. Um, and you haven't sold anything yet in your new business. So you're not sure what your self-identity is. Um, so it's actually quite daunting. Um, so A, you feel very lonely. You find that your friend, quote unquote friends from work are ghosting you because mm-hmm. um, they're, they're not quite sure of what to make of your new situation. And you have to, um, get up and sell something that you've never sold before, even though you may be still working in the same field, doing the same kind of work, but you've never actually sold it where you're the one who's delivering this. You've, even if you've been in marketing and sales, you're selling a company that, ex- that exists and it's not personal. And here you're mm-hmm. selling yourself. It's very personal. Um, yeah. So it's really daunting. And if you've never been had to do any marketing and sales before, which was my case, um, it's even more daunting. Mm-hmm. So, um, what? So if you're in that kind of scenario, or even if you're further along, um, you're still going. You're still working alone a lot, and mm-hmm. you need people in a um, kind of a trusted, safe environment that you can bounce ideas off of. You can talk about some of the things you're not going to talk about elsewhere. I mean, one of the issues, um, we we just had a session on, um, uh, on pricing and particularly value-based pricing. How Mm -hmm. do you, right. How do you understand what your value is and how do you sell that? And one one of the issues that came up, which goes back to, um, uh, 
self-identity, self-confidence mindset is you have to understand your value first and you got to be confident of what your value is right. before you can actually sell it at a fair price to somebody else. And yep. so one of the things I see with, with consultants when they, particularly when they're, when they're selling something new, even if they've been in business for a while, when they're selling a new thing, a, a new kind of service, a new program, new offering, or they're selling to a new audience, um, they will very frequently underprice themselves. And what mm -hmm. I see happen when you talk about your pricing issues inside a community, people will talk you off the ledge and they'll say, yeah. no, 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 you shouldn't be charging $1,000 for that. You should be charging $10,000 for that. Yeah. And in fact, you know, when you hear this from a lot of people, it'll, you'll get your courage up. And what I've seen happen is people then do charge what they should be charging and they get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. And, and as you were describing this, a really interesting irony occurred to me that that those who go through that process and get to that point where they they realize, you know, I am up at this level. I deserve to charge this this amount for my products and services, those same people will get caught in that content trap that we discussed of not releasing their work. You know, we, you talked about the importance of frequency and consistency and so forth and quality builds over time. How do you, how do you help your folks and your community, your clients and so forth, get over this idea Really, it's it, what we're talking about here is the perfection problem, right? Um, uh, well, I've convinced myself that I operate at this level, but uh, that email doesn't reflect how great I am. I have to tweak it. I have to revise it. I have to keep doing it. And they get caught in that resistance of not releasing their work. So how do you establish consistency and quality, uh, excuse me, consistency and frequency for those people who are kind of stuck in the, in the perfection problem? Right now, you're talking about releasing content that's free, or are you talking about the work that they're charging clients for? I'm talking about getting those emails or social posts out the door. I think that's what you were what you were talking about before was the importance of content marketing, and which is a big part of what I help my clients do. And what I run into a lot with my clients is this perfection problem. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my emails out the door, but I need to edit them over and over and over and over again. And they're, they're building the story in their head that, well, if I'm going to be the consultant who can charge at level X, the, and, and if I'm, you know, I'm, I am, I'm now convinced that I, I deserve to charge at this level. Um, they then get resistant around their content because they don't think it plays at that same level. Or so they tell. Yeah, the, I mean, honestly, as long as the the reader, listener, or viewer of your content walks away with one idea that may help their improve their lives, improve improve their business, you're doing fine. Don't worry about the rest of it. Um, Amen. Yep. Yeah, it's it's real, and the same thing goes true with with helping clients. If you as long as your clients are making progress, mm -hmm. they'll be happy. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, as the expert, there are a lot of things you can do to help your clients excel even more than they are now. But yep. not everybody is capable of excelling um, 
with everything that is in your head. So yep. give them enough so they make progress and just, and that will make a great relationship, whether you're providing the free content or it's, it's um, information related to the, the, the service that you're delivering to a paying client. You just need to keep them making progress. You know, I, yeah. I, I'll give you an example. I recently wrote an email where um, that went out to our list that um, was something about what do you do um, if uh, if you have a client that doesn't want to pay? Mm. And um, I actually thought about it and just laid out a few examples of when a client doesn't want to pay. Um, and the reality, and this is this is from my own experience, I have found that in most cases, it's not that the client can't come up with the money somehow. Mm-hmm. It's that they don't want to pay for this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have made exceptions for clients that have really been strapped for cash. Mm-hmm. Um, if I believe that they are actually going to implement what I'm delivering. Right. And if I believe that as soon as their financial situation turns around, they will pay. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I'm not convinced that both of those scenarios are true, I will not make an exception because mm-hmm. I, there've been too many times when I've been burned. Um, and so I brought, you know, I put that in an email and, you know, it's a pretty simple thought. It's not, um, I didn't spend a lot of time writing this, but um, it struck a nerve with some people and I heard back from them that, yeah, it, it really resonated. So I think when you're releasing your content, if you could think of one thing for each email or one thing for each podcast episode that you think will help somebody in your audience, that's great. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, yeah. You know, there's an 80-20 rule in life and business. Mm-hmm. 80% of our success comes from 20% of our activity. So mm-hmm. think about it that way. If your emails um, are eighty achieving 80% of what you want, you're doing fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I love that story because really what you describe is a question was raised. You had a thought, an idea, you shared it. Not everybody in your group, I'm sure, agreed with it. That's okay. But you you had an idea. You just authentically put it out there. You didn't get hung up on this idea that I'm the you know community leader and I have to present myself as the genius expert who can provide a seven-point description of an answer to this question every time. It's just one idea one bite at a time, delivered simply, delivered with uh, a little bit of personality, and and your folks will connect with you if that's how if that's how you produce your content. And if you do it consistently, as you've advised here, you'll get better and better and better at it, and you'll get more comfortable at it. And all of these things that we're talking about add up to less overwhelm and more success and more confidence. Yeah. Yes. And um, m- many communities, including ours, include all kinds of resources that are helpful for people that, um, that fit the, you know, fit as good members of the community. You know, so mm-hmm. we put, we, we are assembling um, and we already have a, um, 
a resource bank that that's we're just going to add to more and more with templates that will help you systematize things, guides, um, so you can do things yourself that you're not sure how to do, um, references to, to commonly used tools for consultants and coaches. You don't have to reinvent the wheel if you're if you're starting or you're building a consulting or coaching business. As mm -hmm. a consultant or coach, you're really good at your discipline and you yep. want to spend as much time delivering your services to your ideal clients. Right. Um, and, and the more you can tap into other, um, other kinds of resources to help with the business building part, the better mm -hmm. off you'll be. Yep. So that's really, that's, that's what I see as our role as a, in the smash and the plateau community is to help consultants and coaches have robust businesses so they can spend their time doing what they love and what they're most competent at serving the clients they want to serve and get paid what they're worth. Yeah. Yeah. And so you talked about the resources, you talked about the community, where can people go and find those resources, find the community if they're interested in joining, what can they do? Everything is at smashingtheplateau.com. Smashingtheplateau.com. That's uh information about the community, our podcasts. Um, you can subscribe to our email list. Um, we do send out, we're currently sending out five emails per week. They're primarily mm -hmm. emails where we try to impart some kind of value, something that will help the audience. So right now, two of them are notices about um, current podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. And then the three others are usually something of value, something like I, like I mentioned about the, you know, the, um, what do you do when a client can't pay? Mm -hmm. Perfect. And notice listeners and viewers that uh, David described, we do five emails and he knows he has a system. He has a machine to get his podcast episodes out. And he knows in advance that two of these a week are going to be referencing a podcast episode that he has released. That's a lot more comfortable for him to meet that five email a week challenge than just having no system, having no plan and just saying, I'm going to try to dream up five emails a week. So he's practicing what he preaches and uh, beyond the plateau, uh, excuse me, beyond the community. Uh, are there other places where people should look for you, social media, um, anything else out there where people might want to um, find you and connect with you? Um, yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active on social media. Um, yeah, you can call our office the old <laughs> fashioned way, the old fashioned way, the telephone. We actually, Indeed. yeah, we have a live person who answers the phone Monday through Friday, nine to five Eastern. Oh, I've never heard two, of two, such two, a thing. yeah, two, one, two, seven, three, one, oh, seven, seven, oh. Perfect. Everything, uh, everything we've described will be in the show notes and, uh, we'll share that. That, so that people can uh, track you down if they're interested. I wanted to, to make one additional point and probably something I could have said at the very beginning before all of the non-coaches and non-consultants peeled off. This content and the stuff that David is sharing is valuable to really anyone trying to build a business, whether they identify themselves as a coach or a consultant. I work with coaches and consultants too, David, and, and I have a fairly broad definition of that. I include within that people who are professional service providers, lawyers, financial advisors, uh, accountants, and so forth. People who have expertise, want to share that expertise with the world, 
and are trying to figure out how to best um, build a business around that. And, And so I want to make sure that if you've been listening to this and you don't, uh, you're not a coach or consultant in whatever definition of that uh, you had in mind, you still go check out David because um, the stuff that he's putting out there is valuable. Sign up for his mailing list. Um, and and there's a lot of business wisdom in what David is doing and what we've been talking about today. So on that note, David, share uh, with us, if you have any parting thoughts, what, uh, what do you want to leave our audience with today? Um, don't wait to get it perfect. Just get started. Yeah. Yeah. Bias for action. Amen to that. David, thank you so much. Really enjoyed this. Please go check out David's stuff. Uh, you will benefit from it and, uh, you will, uh, you will overcome overwhelm. You will have better systems in place. You will build a better business if you tune into what David has to tell you. So thank you, David, for your time. We'll cross paths again, I'm sure. Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business-building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.